0: one person's opinion, or even a thousand people's perspective, has ultimately no bearing on your life. You know, if you want to do this, if you believe in the story and the people in the project, do it. And who cares what anybody else thinks? You know, even if we have one fan, even if that fan is your mom. Welcome back
1: to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 34. I'm Elise Sieverts.
2: And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we talk to writer-filmmaker Bree Castellini. We discuss Starable, a free community and catalog for web series. For web series Brains. And how to deal with trolls. trolls. Can't teach
0: that. Not, yeah, and you, sometimes people start that way, and then you realize, oh, that was just like the first time I met you. You're actually not that cool. But every time I've met Arthur, it's just been more and more lovely, more
2: authentic, and yeah. more lovely. That's, That's really funny. <laughs> you're actually,
0: not that cool. I like that. I'm going to use that
2: and be like, mm, I thought you were cool, but you're not. You're actually you're not at all. You have a
0: really great first impression and terrible everything else. <laughs>
2: That's really funny. I find I have the opposite effect.
0: <laughs> Worst first impression. Though, and then... Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily that it's
2: bad. It's just just like they're like oh People like
1: you better as they get to know you
2: I hope so at least that's what I'm telling myself yeah, in, in theory that's the, the a that's, better way yeah. to be. I guess so but you don't want to like scare them away in the first place yeah yeah I guess it's just
1: being the same and then getting mm-hmm. a little better right yeah exactly <laughs> the incremental like
2: yeah for sure exactly Developing a, relationship. Slow, a slow burn mm-hmm. are we so we're all, we all good yeah we're okay. good all right good. um yeah so when did you start um working with Sterable?
0: I met Starable at a happy hour event, I think either in January or February because they 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 do these um semi-regular New York happy hours since Starable is based in New York um for different web series creators. So I went to the second one they ever did, um met a bunch of people there, met Ajay, the founder and CEO. He and I got to talking and after I came to I think two other happy hour events. Um I we, we were talking, and and I mentioned something about literary inspired web series and how I, I thought that it might be a good idea to make a, a category on the website specifically for those, since literary inspired web series are a huge subsection of what goes on in the web series community. Oh really? Because they're um, you know they're, they're they're not the easiest to do, obviously, but they're an adaptation. so the story's already there. and uh, the web series Lizzie Bennett Diaries made it really popular. Um, so a lot of like younger, uh, creators tend to do literary adaptations. So they're, yeah, they're a huge subsection. If you can think of a classic novel that's in the public domain, it's probably been made into a web series probably two or three times. Oh my um, so I mentioned that to him and he was like, that's really interesting. Would you be interested in writing, um, like a recommendation article for our blog? And I was like, yeah, of course I would love to do that. Uh, cause I'm a writer and he knew that, um, I'm, you know, I'm a lot of things, but primarily I'm a writer. And so I wrote him a guest post and it did pretty well. And he, then the next time I saw him, he was like, Hey, do you want to write something else? Cause I know you you're big on Twitter. You love Twitter. So maybe you could write like a, a craft article for how people could use Twitter to their advantage. Um, so I did that. And then from there, he was like, hey, we should talk. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> it, it seemed pretty obvious that I was really invested in what they were doing and the web series community as a whole. And um, I really enjoyed writing about web series and doing that kind of stuff. I did an interview um, with somebody early on. And then we, we just sort of both agreed, we should make this a little more official. So I started on a, a part time basis where I was almost predominantly writing for the blog writing one to two posts a week doing interviews doing craft posts and helping out a little bit with like social media and planning events like our, our screening series and that kind of stuff and then um that just sort of blossomed into a full-time gig so now I am their community director I run the forum I run the blog I do a, a good portion of the social media I help host events and um, just sort of do random things therein you do like everything. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> a lot of the content stuff. I do sort of the business side, and I do a lot of the content and like networking. Since I'm a filmmaker myself, uh, so I, you know I, I already know a lot of people in the community, and I'm able to to sort of talk to them on like a peer level mm-hmm. instead of like a business to. Consumer yeah. Kind of. that's, well, that's
2: great. That's like a win-win. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully it's so. something that's good for you and good for them, which is always nice. Um I realized that we jumped right into Sterable without telling anyone in our audience exactly what it is. So if you were going to if you were going to describe what Sterable is, how would you describe it?
0: So Sterable is the largest community of web series creators and fans. We have sort of three main portions of the business. We have the consumer-facing site which is sterable.com, which is sort of a, a catalog of web series across platforms because, you know, it's not just on YouTube or Vimeo and even the ones that are, you know, it's really hard to find them. If you search web series on YouTube, you might find something, but it's so disorganized that there, you know, there's not really one place to go and say, I want internet television and I want a, maybe a comedy or a horror. Where do you go to find that? It's terrible. And so it's, uh, like a machine learning recommendation system where people review shows that they like. And, uh, based on that, the algorithm changes. So, you know, the highest rated horror things are easy to find the highest rated comedies, the highest rated literary inspired web series. So, um, so that's kind of what that is. So anyone who is, uh, making an episodic series that is free to watch and in English can get listed. There's no submission process. You just let us know that you have a series and it goes up on the site and then you can promote that to get reviews and things like, that so that's sort of where people can start to get discovered even without a marketing budget as they put themselves on this catalog and categorize themselves and get reviews from fans and friends and uh you know get trending and and that kind of stuff and kind of get a little bit more direct feedback in a way that a lot of web series creators don't get just because there's so many of us and it's so hard to get attention when you don't have a marketing budget so that's sterible.com that's sort of the main hub um the main thing that i do is our filmmaker forum our creator community which is a discourse forum specifically for web series creators where you can ask each other questions um post for for jobs uh, we do, um, weekly AMAs with different web series sort of experts. So, uh, last week we had Emily Best, the CEO of Seed&Spark on, and she answered a lot of questions about Seed&Spark, about crowdfunding, about, you know, finding an audience, that kind of stuff, which was really, really cool. And, um, so that's kind of, uh, one of the main things that we do on there. Uh, and yeah, the, the forum is just a place for people online who don't really have access to a lot of resources to sort of come together and share those. And, that's yeah, things like that. I love
1: how inclusive it is. Like mm-hmm. it's like every you know, if you make a web series, we'll we'll list you, and here's a community of people to kind of thrive on because especially from the ground up, indie mm-hmm. indie. F- filmmakers making web series like you need support because you don't have the funds or the means that um, studios and networks have exactly
0: and one thing that we found especially about web series creators is that a lot of people who make web series aren't necessarily from a traditional film background so not everyone and I I would argue most people who make web series aren't from film school you know they don't know different kinds of lenses and things like that like myself I was just a writer who you know met someone who had had a little bit of a film background and were like hey do you want to a web series? Yeah, let's do it. But, you know, my first time making a web series, I had no idea what I was doing. I would have loved to have a community of people to go to to say, hey, I'm new. What do I need to start? Yeah, and, um, yeah. And so, like, basically, a lot of what I do at Starable is start to create and curate resources that I would have liked when I started out. You know, I'm, it's very much like a uh, a help letter to past me, and hopefully to people who who like me. You know, we're coming from no sort of film background, who don't know what a gaffer is. You know, <laughs> who don't know anyone with a camera, things like that. We really want to make it even more accessible than it already is, and so that's sort of the main focus of the forum. Is Just to sort of crowdsource help and support and advice, um, you know, by creators for creators. That's amazing. So that's the forum, and then the blog is just uh, we we post most of the blog content to the forum as well. But the blog is more of a sort of a filmmaker. Uh, resource center where I do craft blogs like how to write and use a press release or um, how to use different social medias like the best practices for different social media sites like Tumblr only tracks the first five tags it, you know kind of tips like that oh, wow as well as interviews with different Thank people you. like um, other creators who have you know been successful um, we recently had a an interview with Brian Jordan Alvarez who created the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo which is insane it's so good and <laughs> And, uh, and we got to interview him, and he kind of talked through his process and advice for other filmmakers. So that's sort of what the blog, sort of.
1: That's amazing. So say uh, someone's created a web series, do
0: they just reach out to you? Do they send yep. an email? And that's It's, yeah, it's like can, that easy. Yeah, you wow. just email info at com, and um, either Ajay or myself will reach out again with uh, some instructions for how to add themselves to the site and... There is there any restrictions for like how many episodes you have? Nope. No, nope. As long as it is free to view, so you know it it can't be behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. As long as it is free to view in English or and episodic, so not short films, but mm-hmm. it has to be episodic, then you're eligible. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is, and I also
2: like how you guys kind of give recommendations mm-hmm. for um, like it's uh, like Netflix Netflix queue uh, like um, because there are there's so much content and mm-hmm. it's kind of. Overwhelming, and by kind of, I mean really, really, really (laughs) really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, figuring out how to navigate all of
0: that (laughs) is a bit much. Yeah, we do uh, daily picks on the main site where um, once a week, or not once a week, sorry, five times a week, Monday through Friday, we recommend a new show, and um, you know, we list it as staff pick on the website and things like that. And the one of the things that we really wanted to do with the daily picks is not just sort of pick on um, one type of web series. You know, the classic, just a shorter version of a television show because sometimes they're even more interesting than that. Sometimes they're, you know, a gaming series that sort of takes on its own life or, you know, a documentary series, a nonfiction, unscripted, uh, parody, um, animated all of that stuff like there are so many different kinds of web series that i don't think people necessarily think of when they think of like what a web series is and so the daily picks are really us trying to show sort of the the insane range of the creativity of the internet and you know what is impossible now that the distribution model of releasing film content has started to crumble
1: well and i'm thinking like what an interesting thing for like young people who maybe can't afford even i mean netflix isn't that much money but you know if Mm -hmm. you're in school and you can't afford it like to to have a place to go to watch content Mm -hmm. for free is pretty pretty cool too very cool for all you young college people that Mm -hmm. are paying your student loans right (laughs) now (laughs) aren't mooching off your parents
2: anymore (laughs) yeah um for their netflix account because we all know we have done it yeah
1: because there's a lot of good stories out there it doesn't You know, it doesn't always have to be on Netflix or Hulu. Yeah, and web series
0: also tend to be more diverse because Mm -hmm. there aren't really the traditional sort of barriers to getting um, something approved and made and all that kind of stuff. It's like if you want to write a story about a trans guy, uh, you don't have to convince a network executive that, you know, that's advertiser friendly. You can say... I'm writing a show about a trans guy. And then you can release it. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot more diversity that we're seeing in the web series community because, you know, we're, audiences are so starved for diverse content that um, people are starting to realize, like, I can just make it.
1: Well, and look at how well it's doing. Like, mm-hmm. look at the Emmys this oh, last yeah. weekend. Like, exactly. um, minorities and women and, you know, like, the, it just was like, these are the stories people want to watch mm-hmm. and listen to these days, which is really exciting. Absolutely.
2: Is that what drew you to um, online content in general? Because I've noticed that I was when I was researching you, I was seeing that you did stuff with MTV, with digital content mm-hmm. as well. And um, is that, like, what are the reasons that you were drawn to digital content? Because as a writer, you have a lot of, I mean... You have mm-hmm. skills to know how to do a lot of different types, but right. you specifically have been doing a lot with digital content.
0: Mm-hmm. So I started actually as a prose writer. I never thought about film or screenwriting or anything like that until my last semester of college when um, I listened to a podcast about TV writing and thought, that sounds awesome. That sounds like the exact type of writing I want to do, but I've just never done it. So I applied to grad school, got in, um, and around the time that I was learning this, the Lizzie Bennett Diaries started to come out. It's the, um, the Emmy Award winning Pride and Prejudice adaptation you know via video blogs and I was hooked like I love Pride and Prejudice I love Hank Green who's one half of the Vlogbrothers who executive produced the series Um, so I was a huge fan of that I'd never even thought of of web series but I'd been making my own YouTube videos since I was in high school and I've been a blogger since I was 12 or 13 so like I've always loved the internet and the the opportunities that the internet gives to artists and to, to get their name out there even without sort of the traditional avenues so I've always liked the internet and I've always liked writing. And around the time that I was applying for grad schools, web series started to kind of come up on my radar. And so I, I, I got really invested into that. And my grad school program had a class the second semester about digital media, specifically about episodic content, not for traditional TV, because my grad program was in writing and producing for television. But, you know, there's lots of types of television these days. You know, we consider Netflix TV shows, but they're not really. So, you know, they're, they, with all of these new opportunities in the sort of episodic writing business, um, one of the classes was going to be for digital media media and I knew ahead of time that I needed to write at least a pilot if not a full kind of web series for that class so I kind of got in on it early and I liked it so much that I shared it with some of my classmates and they liked it a lot and they were like you know we can make this right what if we just made it (laughs) and we did and I've been addicted ever since I loved independent producing even though my first time was fraught (laughs) <laughs> to say the least. Ooh, I mean we you know, know I, I don't that. know anything about anything. <laughs> you know, I didn't have Stareable at the time, but um but no I I love that. I loved how Natural it felt because I had been making YouTube videos for a long time because I love the internet and Twitter and Facebook and all of that kind of stuff So it just sort of seemed like a natural fit So my work um, on my web series ended up getting me the job at MTV digital um, Because I had proven that I could produce independent content for the web and that I understood What things on the internet worked and didn't you know? I had a pretty broad understanding of different social media sites and different types of online video So that's how I got the job at MTV and um Obviously, how I got the job, it's terrible, is Mm -hmm. that I just, I've always loved being able to put my thoughts and creations on the internet with no barriers. And I think that it's such a cool opportunity for people who come from so many different backgrounds who might not have otherwise had the opportunity to share what they want to share. Mm -hmm. So,
1: I know, it's amazing. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, it would have been totally impossible. I know, I know. Even technology with cameras, too. Exactly. Not even just the internet, so...
0: That's, mm-hmm. that's really awesome. Yeah, we know web series creators who've made series entirely with their phones. Like, yeah, there's oh, yeah. there's one like really interesting cinematic one that I I don't remember the name of right now, but he filmed the entire thing on his phone, and it you cannot tell. That's it, it looks great. I know.
1: The, those cameras are, are really great. Mm-hmm. So going back to your very first web series, like what advice would you give yourself back then? Like you have all this wealth of information. Mm-hmm. You've been talking to a ton of filmmakers right. and, um, you've probably been through the process several times mm-hmm. now. I have. <laughs> like what advice for, for those just starting out who feel like they don't know anything? Cause that's a big reason why we started this podcast was mm-hmm. to like get information to new creators. For sure.
0: Uh, So for me specifically, advice to me, younger version, I would say um, plan longer. (laughs) Like (laughs) take your time because, you know, I'm I'm a very impatient and kind of anxious person. So like if I'm not doing something right now, then I feel very unproductive. I'm like, well, why aren't I doing something right now? And I think that like my my drive to just finish it kind of got in the way of actually fully understanding like what an undertaking a production would be, even though ours was very small, you know, 10 episodes, each episode was between, I'd say five to seven or eight minutes. Uh, It was found footage, so we didn't have to get a lot of coverage for anything. But even so, you know, we went into it so quickly that I don't think we truly had an understanding of like what that would mean. And I certainly didn't. You know, I'd never been on a film set before, so I didn't know what a producer did. I didn't know what the difference between a director and a producer was. I didn't know anything. So I would have, I wish I could have slowed down a little bit, done some research about like the different film roles and what kinds of people that I needed, even in a bare set that would make our, our lives easier. Um, and just, you know, in general, taking my time because I think a lot of our issues were, came from being rushed or at least feeling like we were rushed, which wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, and I think that would have helped a lot for me.
1: If you were like a bare set, who would you recommend like hiring
0: and making sure mm-hmm. that you could have on set with you? So I always definitely, you need a director, not and and I would in if they're not like experienced, I would say the director should not be an actor, or at least should be like a you know a side character or an extra. Like I I don't think that somebody who's never directed before or someone who's had very limited directing experience, I don't think that they should be directing and acting at the same time. Just because first of all, it takes twice as long because the person has to then go and like watch playback and and make sure everything is right while also giving other people direction, while also memorizing lines themselves. I do think that there should be a separation, although, of course, there are always exceptions. Uh, So director, definitely. Um, Somebody like an assistant director or somebody like an assistant director who can just keep people on task, like, you know, sending out schedules, keeping to the schedule, making sure that people understand, like, hey, you guys just spent 20 minutes on one shot. Can we move on? Or can we kick something off so that you can (laughs) spend more time on this? Like somebody who's just there specifically to kind of keep everyone in line because the director can't always do that. The director is focusing on the performances and, and you know, and the footage that they're getting. So somebody else to be there to sort of just support and keep everybody on track is always useful. Um, and then definitely at least a producing team of two a producing team who will get the cast and crew together, who, you know, make sure that all of the props are are purchased, that all of the wardrobe is set up, that the schedule and the shot list are set before anybody gets on set, like people who sort of manage the macro parts of a, of a set. I think that that was one thing that we didn't really have is people who not only were producers but knew what that meant. You know, it's like you need people who are going to sort of man- manage the entire process because, and, and even if they're, you know, they're also actors, they're also directors, somebody needs to understand that like, there is more to a film than just showing up with a camera and some actors. Like somebody who, who kind of organizes all of the chaos to make it as efficient of a, prop, uh, a process as possible. Um, so I think that's bare bones that, and if possible sound, although there are, <laughs> there are ways to get around sound, but if you can get a sound person. Please get a sound person.
2: Yeah, Yeah. My poor husband. He, um, he's a sound engineer. Oh, great. (laughs) He'll hear that. He always hears that, and he's like, "Oh no, you don't. You totally need sound."
1: (laughs) I always think a
2: gaffer too, like just
1: to, Mm -hmm. just so that the DP doesn't have to be. For sure, you know, doing both hats, I feel Mm -hmm. like, but but
2: it depends. It depends on your budget and depends how bare bones it is, right? But I will say that with sound, making sure that you at least have like a good sound for your camera, or Mm -hmm. or having like, if you don't have someone necessarily who is a sound person running it the whole time, at least having someone who can like pay attention to it. Yes. no,
0: definitely. Yeah, if um, it, it you know, it should always be separate. I, mm-hmm. I don't think you should ever record sound on your camera. Like, I don't care <laughs> no, what camera you're no. using. No. Cameras are not built to record <laughs> sound at the same time. If, if, if all you can do is, like, I've heard a, a lot of people have success with just their iPhones, not even with labs attached, but oh, just, wow. in, just in their iPhone voice men- memo. I mean, it's, yeah. It, it's I mean, it's because
1: the technology of that phone is just
2: Exactly. Out- and you can outrageous. hide a
0: phone on an actor yeah. a little bit more easily sometimes than yeah. you can hide a, you know, a lavalier or something. So
2: yeah, that's that's cool.
0: I've Mm -hmm. never heard of that before. See, we're learning so many things today, at least. I I love when this happens. I know. (laughs) It's great. So what
1: projects are you working on personally right now? Like what are you writing or do you have stuff that's out right now that people can go?
0: Yes. So my first web series called Brains has two seasons online um, that you can find on Sika TV. Sika is a an indie streaming platform that's um, exclusively for independent web series content. So it's all series content. It's all independent um, and it's free. So you can watch it there. I like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I've got two seasons of that show. Um, the second season is obviously much better managed. And um, so, you know. That's always what was nice. What it called again? Brains. Brains. Yeah, Ooh. it's a it's a vlog found footage show about a girl dating on a college campus after the zombie apocalypse has occurred. Um, I watched the first two
2: episodes. I got I didn't have time to watch more than that, but I was like, oh, I was like, I I, I enjoy that she's still trying to mm-hmm. she's still trying to find love. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she, she's very
0: much a person with like a five year plan that got really messed up during the apocalypse, and she's like, you know, it's mostly over. I I've revised it. And this is what it is, and I will stop at nothing. Um, so that's what Brains is. That's it funny. also has two extended universe projects that I um, wrote or co-wrote and then sort of long distance produced with um, with other people. So my little brother lives in LA. He made a short film that um, it exists within the universe and that I wrote for him. Uh, and then I have a friend in Wales with a, a film crew who we co-wrote a miniseries that's three episodes that also exists in the same universe. So that's all the Brains stuff. Um, I have a short film called Ace and Anxious that has been sending around to film festivals and um that's been doing really well which is fun i got to write and direct that one which was a a real honor you know i I really enjoyed directing and it was my first time so hopefully i get to do it again uh and then actually Two days ago, we've shot an entirely new web series that I wrote called Salmon Patter Depressed. And it's a nine episode series about two roommates who talk to each other about how weird therapy is. Uh, Because the one thing you can't (laughs) talk about in therapy is your therapist. therapist? (laughs) So that's sort of like the tagline um, for the show. And so that was it was written to be really low impact. We shot all nine episodes in two and a half days. Uh, over a long weekend. Wow. Holy nine and a half crap. episodes. How
1: many pages were each episode? 26.
0: Uh, oh, tw- no, 26 total. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was like, each episode, Yeah. Shit. Each episode is between, t- uh, I'd say three and five or six pages. Oh, cool. So. I like hmm.
2: that. That's intense. It was very yeah. intense. It was Bless two 10
0: hour days. And then um, the Friday before when like we brought all the equipment over to my apartment, um, we shot a lot of like the MOS, you know, no audio stuff for two or three hours. Cool. Mm-hmm. Stepping
1: into the director role, were there things as a writer you kinda had to let go or or like I don't know, that transition of just being a writer to writer director?
0: Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. I'm glad that, uh, it wasn't my, um, first time being on a set. Like if I had, for instance, if I had directed Brains, I think it would have been a very different experience. But my director on Brains, who also directed Sam and Pat this last weekend, uh, his name is Andrew Williams. He went to film school in Texas. And so he actually does have a film background, which is a huge help. Always have at least one person on your set who has either been (laughs) to film school or has worked on a film set before. If even just one person knows what's happening, I think it makes a tremendous difference. Um, and so that was that was him. And he is he's a fantastic director. He works both in theater and in film. So he he really understands how to talk to actors without just giving them instructions. Because I think that one of the things that I've noticed on on other sets that I've been on or um, just sort of through talking to other actors and writers and things like that, is that one of the the main mistakes that especially new directors make, especially if they are also the writers, which is often the case in web series. Um, one of the mistakes that they make is that they, it's just their vision, and no one else gets a say, you know, so they wrote it. And if they're directing it, Basically, they're just saying, "Hey, I wrote this this way, and I want you to say it like this," which I think does a disservice to everyone else on the team, especially the actors, who's they're not parrots. You know, they're there to bring something to the performance that you might not have otherwise anticipated. You know, it, it should be a collaboration; it shouldn't be a, a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I'm really glad that I got to watch Andrew direct on Brains and other series as well, because he has a way of sort of giving you just enough instruction to sort of get the performance that he needs to to tell the. Story story to tell the character, but also allowing enough freedom for people to make their own choices and make exciting and interesting choices and watching him sort of roll with the punches isn't the right word because, you know, people making different choices isn't a bad thing, but watching him <laughs> sort of take the planning that he's done and then readjust as actors give him new and exciting things to work with was, you know, a tremendous honor to watch. And I definitely incorporated that a lot into my own directing, you know, because there is a part of you that wants to be the control freak that wants to say, no, I, I, I italicize this word. For for a reason i want you to emphasize it but then you watch an actor k- kind of embody the role and you're like oh my gosh that's so cool that's like so much better than what i did in my head and, and having that confidence to sort of let other people um do what they do best and collaborate with them was um was it was a really big honor and something that i don't think i would have been as good at had i not been on other sets um but yeah, so it, it was it's always definitely a tension against my control freak nature, but I really did enjoy it. I, I like working with people who are equally as invested, you know. When you're a kid and you don't you you don't usually like group projects because there's always like one or two slackers who don't do anything and you have to like share credit with them. Yeah. But on a film set there really isn't a place for slackers. No. So that's because yeah. if you're a slacker, you're not there yeah. and we've re- we've replaced you. Yeah. So getting to work with people who are equally invested in a, an artistic vision and a project is so cool because, you know, it's it means that there's less responsibility on me, there's less pressure on me because we all are invested. We all have something to bring to the table and getting to like balance all of that is just super fun and and I always learn something new. That's where the magic happens too, right? right when exactly. everyone brings their little part because, mm-hmm. you know, two brains are better than
2: one. That's Six wh- brains are better than one, you know? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's why filmmaking is so much, it's, it's so much fun and people keep and and people become addicted to it and want to do it over and over again Mm -hmm. is because there's this, there's this high, this, this adrenaline, this rush, this thing that happens when you get the opportunity to create with other people in this way. Mm -hmm. So it's just, especially when everyone's like really great at their job and, you know, and
1: stories are so, I mean, as humans, we're just so attracted to stories too. So being able to tell stories and add stuff to them it's i agree it's very addicting it's yeah i mean clearly (laughs) clearly we don't
2: have a problem with it at all because we don't do it all the time um yeah um, i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i like really wanted to ask you oh so with so you do so many different things you you write you've acted you've directed do you have anything right now that like feels like it's pulling you more one way than the other
0: uh, I mean, my first love is always going to be writing. You know, I've been a writer since I was five years old. And just because I'm sort of new to script writing doesn't mean that that's changed at all. So, you know, in a horrible apocalypse where I could only do one thing on a film set, <laughs> it would be writing. Like, no, you know, there, there, no hesitation. If I had to give up everything but one, it would always, I would always lean on writing. Tell me how you started writing at five. <laughs> like, yeah, what? Uh, I, I remember the day and the location. I'm <laughs> very ridiculous. But so I, I was homesick from school. I was in either kindergarten or first grade. But um you know, because you don't plan being sick, my dad, who stayed home with me had other errands to run. So um one of the things that he had to do was we had to go get like our car fixed. And so I had to like sit in a waiting room, and I'm five years old, and I'm sick. And so he he gave me like a little notebook, like that he had gotten from a conference, and a pen. And I think in his mind, I was gonna, you know, draw to kind of keep myself engaged. But um what I ended up doing was writing a a little two-page I mean two pages on like this tiny notebook but I wrote a little two-page story to sort of entertain myself um and I really like doing it and then I wrote a sequel and then <laughs> I made it a trilogy it was called the diary trilogy it was adorable and terrible in so many ways but I really enjoyed <laughs> but it
1: amazing that you're so young and you know like I always I mean I feel like I knew I was an actor when I was a kid and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of artists in this industry that were like I just knew when I was a child and you know life kept pulling me that direction mm-hmm. so that's I think that's yeah. really cool well
0: yeah I liked I liked writing because you know I was always a big daydreamer I still am you know I I'm very rarely bored because I can just sit in one place and sort of zone out and just tell myself a story because it, it keeps me interested. It allows me to work through things that I'm working through. You know, if I imagine a version of myself two days in the future when I know something's happening, like, what would imaginary me do? And what can real me do to, like, make that happen? So, you know, I was always like that, even as a kid. And then writing it down just allowed me to sort of narcissistically, like, re- return to the really great things that my head was telling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, I also just liked... Getting to sort of see the fake like friends and characters that I was coming up with on the page and getting able to hang out with them for a little bit longer in like a little bit more of a tangible way. And also writing is is so solitary that I think as a kid, I really enjoyed that because it meant that I could be entertained doing something physically, but also not requiring anyone else. Like, you know, I didn't need um, a sibling. I, I have a little brother, but um, he's, you know, in, enough younger than me and enough different than me that as kids we did not always get along. So. Um, oh, I have seven si- or six siblings. There's oh, seven wow. of us. So I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. You're like it a lot alone time. It's like, yeah, exactly. But it was alone time that I wasn't just sort of like creepily like lying on my bed just like thinking about stuff
2: because yeah. even as a
0: kid i was like that's weird like i would do it on the playground sometimes if i didn't have a notebook with me which i eventually just started making a habit of but like i would i would use a kid who if i didn't have like close friends i would just sit on the sidewalk and just sort of think about things but um that was weird to people. <laughs> and that did not seem to be doing me any favors. so i found that if i did that but just through writing people were less weirded out. Like they called me a nerd, but like I was a nerd. So hey. All right, you join the club. I, exactly. I, I, like,
1: I like proudly wearing your nerd, your nerdness. Exactly. Um, what advice do you have for people who ha-
0: who are having writer's block? Like have you experienced that? Are there things oh. you do? I have writer's block on like particular projects, but I I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily believe in the idea of writer's block as like a holistic concept. And I think that it's also, you know, important to recognize sort of the stems of writer's block. And usually it's fear or insecurity, which Mm. is a type of fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of recognizing where your block is coming from is important. Like, obviously there's a block in, I don't know what happens next in the story, but having like writer's block, like I can't make anything, it's 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 worth it to sort of reflect on yourself, like, all right, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I can't do something that I've been doing for years or, you know, however long? Um, you know, and I, and I found that personally, most of my sort of um, blocks come from being, like afraid that I won't be able to pull it off. Like I've got like this great idea, but then I start putting it on the page and I'm like, this isn't perfect. If I finish it, am I just gonna feel bad about myself that I mm. couldn't make this amazing idea that I've had? Cause I have so many amazing ideas. <laughs> I, thinking, I, couldn't, I couldn't make this amazing idea come true. Like, does that mean I'm a fraud? Does that mean that like I'm done? And so, you know, the block doesn't come from not knowing what happens next in the story. It comes from me not wanting to like, admit that the first thing I do isn't perfect. And that's not a great thing to do. Um, and then for, for like story writers block, like literally not knowing what happens next. The first thing I always do is I send, um, you know, whatever I have already to uh, a friend of mine and we talk about, I'm like, Hey, can you read this and tell me a, if there's anything there, (laughs) if it's worth writing and b where you think like, I'm going with this. Like, I don't want them to, I, I don't, I never want them to say like, this is what I think should happen next. I'm like, N- based on what you know about me as a writer, where do you think I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Maybe that will jog my memory. Um, or I just, I, I accost one of my friends and make them sit on a couch with me for six or seven hours. And I just talk <laughs> out like, this is everything I think for this idea. These are the parts I'm having trouble with. Can we talk them through? And so, having other people sort of interrogate my idea and kind of um, offer suggestions or ask questions and things like that always makes me, it it always helps me come up with stuff because, you know, when I have to have an answer to questions, even if the answer didn't exist previously, and even if it's not an answer I go with, it forces me to think about it from perspectives that I might not have. And that always helps me. It's just sort of talking it through with somebody. Um, Do you start with stories that, like,
1: you've experienced or people you know and you kind of use your imagination from there or do you feel like you're more of a writer that like really goes outside I mean you talked about like a zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. like do you feel like you can really like dream up these worlds and create these like very different characters and of something that maybe you don't know as well
0: it, for me it, it kind of depends i I don't love writing like realistically like in a non apocalypse world <laughs> uh, just because i I don't know i I have a hard time writing um sort of plots that's not the right word but like I'm better at character than I am plot so Traditional good for TV,
2: exactly. it is good for TV.
0: It's um, perfect. Yeah, that's why I don't like writing films because it's like, no, I want to spend more time with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't, I, I'm not as good at writing real world stuff because creating stakes in the real world for me is always harder. So like, if I have a, a pretty simple story, girl wants a boyfriend, and then I put it in a zombie apocalypse, that inherently gives it a lot more stakes and gives me more fun things to sort of subvert or whatever. Um, or I start with a conversation. So, like, my new web series, Sam and Pat, is largely just a series of conversations between two people about, like, a weird thing that they notice in therapy today or, you know, things like that. And um, I sort of built a world around them. But I, I almost always start with a character that I think would be interesting or funny, and then I build a world around them. You know, I decide what is the weirdest, funniest, or most dramatic situation that I can put this person that I've decided is my new best friend in and what does the story kind of do to let them have a journey that's cool and yeah, that is
2: really cool I like that as an as an actor that's always nice when you have people who are dedicated to character because you it know it gives you yeah it gives you a lot to work with it does it it keeps it from just being like just plot driven yeah um I also wanted to ask you writing is such a
1: it's very vulnerable i mean all of Mm -hmm. making art is very vulnerable but how have you have you had to deal with any critics or how do you handle that um have you had work reviewed? because i think that's part of going back to like writer's block and that Mm -hmm. fear and that insecurity Definitely. sometimes that stems from people being very critical and when you're just starting out like how do you make that jump
0: you know yeah no definitely um i mean i will say that my Harshest critic is always going to be myself, no matter what. Um, also, you know, I was the creepy kid who would like sit silently on the side of the <laughs> playground, so I am not unused to criticism. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean there's You are adorable. <laughs> yes. You are so adorable. No. no. You would have thought that I was like a tiny serial killer at that age. It was no. terrible. No, yes, you were. <laughs> I I look back and I'm like, oof. I would have bullied that. Might that would be a fun fun film, like <laughs> maybe. Except I don't want to have to cast a child actor. I can only write things about people my age because they're the only people I know. <laughs> it's a it's a real problem. Um, no, but I, I mean, I I am serious to the point where like you know I was bullied as a kid, like as most nerds were, as most artists were. So you know I'm not like a stranger to being criticized for things that are either true, but taken out of context or are just insane. You know, a lot of criticism is just like, Oh, you're just being mean. Cool. That's a good thing that we as humans are doing right now. (laughs) Um, so, you know, so I had that, I, I, I adapted a very, um, or adopted, adapted, I adopted a very thick skin as you know, I was I was growing up. So I think that definitely helped me when it when it came to to starting to share my work with people is like I already kind of have um, coping mechanisms to not take it personally. Um, And then since then, obviously, I've been putting my work on the internet, which garners all sorts of (laughs) stuff. Oh yeah. Have you had any oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah I, um the yeah we've we've had some harsh stuff i'm mm-hmm. I'm actually lucky though that um, because I'm the lead actress of my web series, which is sort of the thing that I, I spent most of my energy prom- promoting for the past couple of years, that the most of the criticisms come to me, which I feel much better about because you know, I wrote it, I edited it, I act in it, and I'd rather people come for me than like somebody else who is even more vulnerable because it's not their work, you know whatever. So I'm glad that they've come to me. <laughs> the trolls because i i think i can take it a
1: little bit more they're kind of becoming a joke right like it's like no matter what you do somebody out there is gonna say something shitty so i mean i love like jimmy kimmel when he has people read the the mean
0: tweets (laughs) yeah i i think those are funny you have to you have to have a sense of humor about it absolutely do and i think that would probably be my biggest like advice for somebody who's got a troll or someone who's criticized them is you know look at it critically if they've spent time on your thing to respond if it's not just like I hate women or you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) you're like honey that is a problem all on your own exactly (laughs) like that's your problem that's not my problem but if somebody is going to review your work um negatively which people have you know I've got two semi you know unhappy reviewers of brains that are not entirely unfounded you know there are a lot of things that people say I'm like that's a fair point yeah we didn't do that yeah or we didn't do as good of a job at that you know it's, it's worth sort of reflecting like do they have a point Can I learn something from that point, and what is it going to do in the future for me? Like, if the if your reaction to a criticism is, "Oh, I should never create again," like that's that's a problem. But if your reaction to criticism is, "Those are good points. Those are points that are good, but I don't agree with, and those are just mean spirited," I think it's worth sort of separating out like, what can you learn from the criticism, and um, how are you going to take the the constructive and leave aside the overly and unnecessarily critical. I Those think Those are great questions to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are because it really is easy to let yourself like
2: get stuck in this place where you're questioning everything you mm-hmm. do. And and yeah, like you said, nothing happens when you do that. You're, exactly. you're stuck in yourself and then you're not in the world and being a part of it and mm-hmm. actually creating which is what you wanna be doing Absolutely. in the first place. Yeah,
0: nothing is ever one thing. You know, even a mean troll comment it, it tells you something like it's mean but it, it also tells you something like this is the gut reaction of bad people <laughs> so if I know that <laughs> is that something I want to avoid in the future like yeah. do I not want to write about women anymore no okay okay well, well now fun. I know that this is the kind of thing I will get if I'm a woman on the internet you know and I, and I think that that's it's worth always like seeing what you can learn even if it's not directly from it even if it's not like I didn't like the way you wrote this character like that's a you know, criticism that you can use, but, you know, if it's just, I don't like you because you're a woman, like, cool, good to know that that is a reaction I'll get. So now I can kind of temper my expectations accordingly. And I I think it's, you should always try to learn something from everything, even when they're horrible and mean spirited, but it's also worth keeping things in perspective. Like one person's opinion or even a thousand people's perspective has ultimately no bearing on your life. You know, if you want to do this, if you believe in the story and the people in the project, do it. And who cares what anybody else thinks, you know, even if we have one fan, even if that fan is your mom, whatever, like, which, you know, of Thanks, course, I've been, exactly like that's, that's enough. Yeah. If, if the point is to make something that you're proud of, make something you're proud of and everybody else be damned. I like that. Oh, well, yeah. So if someone were to write you
1: a big check right now and be like, here you go, make something Do you have a, like a passion project that
0: you would, you know, if you had Unlimited funds, mm. you would—that would be what you'd make. I would make the next four seasons of brains. I've, uh, <laughs> I, like, I, people ask me that sometimes, and I'm like, I just want to make more brains because I, you know, I we filmed two seasons and I have six seasons written that I'm really excited about, because, you know, with web series, you have a lot less time to establish story in a lot of cases. So, you know, you kind of end up telling very small versions that are almost like chapters in a book. But like, there's a complete book in my head that I would love to get to, you know, now that we've established all this cool stuff. Um, So yeah, I would definitely make Brain Seasons 3 through 6, because I think that there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, But other than that, like, I've got... Uh, some short films that I'd love to work on. I've got, like, traditional TV pilots that I'd love to work on. Like, if you gave me unlimited money, I would make unlimited projects. Like, you know, <laughs> I would pay off my student loans and I would just create. Yeah.
1: Do you, like, is the end goal someday to work in TV? Like, on network
0: or on, like... I think that's the, that's the avenue that makes the most sense. Like, if I could make money off of independent producing, I absolutely would. Like, yeah. I'd never look at ABC, NBC, like... They can do whatever they want. Like, I will continue making things for me. But right now, there isn't really a model for that. Like, there are maybe three or four people that can say that they make, like, consistent enough money from creating like narrative content online to support themselves. Mm-hmm. And even amongst those four people, like there are wildly different circumstances for each one. So, you know, if I if I could, I would stay in indie producing because I like the control. I like not having barriers. I like having that direct relationship with my audience. Like I've become friends with people who are were fans of my show starting out, but are now just like Twitter friends of mine or uh, real life friends of mine. And that's been so cool because then I get to see sort of direct Responses to what people like and what people, you know, wish was different and that kind of stuff, you know. And, and they're all people that I respect to take the time to think about it instead of just saying, like, you're a woman, screw you. And um, <laughs> so like you've f- gotten a lot of those, huh?
2: <laughs> I'm, I've, I'm a woman on the internet who's been there
0: for over a decade. I've oh, grown wow. up on the internet. Yeah. So, you know, there are posts from 13-year-old me that are still online somewhere. So when you have that much of yourself on the internet, like, you've gotten everything. I'm sure. And <laughs> It's going to be really
1: interesting to see how models change, as I mean, I feel like less and less, especially our generation, don't buy cable. Like Mm-mm. we,
0: we I don't have, have Hulu.
1: Yeah, I, we don't have, I, yeah, we don't no. have. Yeah, no either.
2: Well, I mean, I have enough just because I was able to finagle a deal. Um, with but I mainly, people, yeah. yeah. But main with with my cable company, but mainly we have it for the internet. And, H- and so that we can have HBO for HBO the, Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Only time I wish I had it the yeah. TV.
1: <laughs> but I mean, so many things. And even like, like the actors union, SAG hasn't even been able to catch up really with mm-hmm. negotiating actor contracts. I know the writers, you know, just had a big thing you know, not even six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's so interesting because I feel like we're in this really like kind of frontier with... Mm-hmm the internet and making content and how do you make money by putting your content online
0: and there's just not the yeah there's not a model there's not like if if you say if you say to somebody like I want to make web series for a living Mm -hmm. they're like cool there are 15,000 different things you could do to make that a reality and any one of them could happen at any given time yeah does Starable have advertiser like do, are there any like commercial types things
1: well no not so right that's now so, okay yeah we're, okay. we're
0: right now we're mostly um, just uh, sort of a hub for people to come and gather and tell us new things that they mm-hmm. wish that they had you know a lot of the filmmaker forum didn't exist until at a happy hour that I attended before I even worked for them people were like I wish like we love these happy hours I wish we had some way to talk to people who weren't like the four people that we know in New York you know I wish that there was a way for me to ask Brian Jordan as a question. I wish I could just I had somewhere to go where you know I wouldn't be judged for not knowing things or whatever that I could just talk to people like me and and ask advice, ask questions, get recommendations. Like I just want somewhere to go to feel like you know we're all on the same page. And we were like we should start a forum. And so that's a lot of what Starable does is we we just we we really want to listen to filmmakers and tell and we we want them to tell us like what do you need. What are your unique challenges for being a web series creator? And what can we do to help with that? Mm -hmm. So For sure. So
2: cool. It Mm -hmm. is amazing. I'm so glad that you're a part of something like that. And it seems like it's the right fit for you too. Because you're very passionate about it. Yeah. And it's always nice when you have people. I mean, it's hard to be a filmmaker and not be passionate about it.
0: Yeah, it's true.
2: (laughs) It doesn't work out well. I
1: love that you like as a child have been writing and as a child have been putting stuff out on the internet. I just commend you for that because I think most kids are too scared to do that. So I just, I don't know. I just think that's, I know it's,
2: you should wear a badge of honor. Um, (laughs) Even though I'm sure there's tons of embarrassing things that you wish were not available. Honestly,
0: I I don't, I don't think that they, I wish they weren't available. Like even the dumbest things I've ever done. It's kind of funny, right? And you're like, that's who I was. I don't know. I I go back and
1: forth on that too. Like, I mean, I directed this like weird musical show my senior year of high school. And like somebody put all the videos on YouTube and I was like, Oh my God, when they first went up and then I was like, you know what? I was 18 years old. I was exploring like, I'm totally cool with this. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be. Like, as artists, we have to get over that. Like, oh, I have to create the most amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that quote about how you have really good taste. So a lot of artists stop because their skills haven't caught up with their taste of what mm-hmm. what is really good
2: storytelling. And it's yeah, a good it's, reminder. Of it's Eric like, Yes. It? Yeah. yeah. I love that quote. Yeah, it is a really it's good one. Favorite. We'll tell everyone where they can find you online, like where, where are the places that they can come to see Brie?
0: Uh, well, the best place is probably the terrible forum. I'm always, I'm on there like 24 seven. Yeah. <laughs> use you post her there. you guys as a resource. Okay, yes, yeah, absolutely. So community.sterable.com is that, um, is that forum. And so you'll see me, I'm Brie and I'm on every single thread. <laughs> so you'll <laughs> easily get hold of me there. You can also find me. Um, I'm one of, I'm probably the primary tweeter on the terrible Twitter account. Sterable, just at sterable. Uh, or you can find me personally at Bri's World, B-R-I-S-O-W-N world dot com. Um, well, dot com. Yes, that's my blog. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> if you just Google Brie Castellini, you'll find everything I've ever done. I'm very Googleable. Cool. It It's very accessible. We'll, I'm very we'll accessible. We'll
2: include links and stuff We too. will. Perfect. So that everyone it's easy. can find. Yeah. Of course. We yeah. always yeah. do. Well, thank you so much for, you. for sharing your it was knowledge. so happy to meet you. And What a pleasant, lovely conversation about creating your own work. I know. It's every time. I love doing podcast I I always get inspired I'm like yes I'm like let's make a web series tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) now let's do it right now I mean right now well thank you so much for sitting down with us and um, thank you guys for listening thanks guys Bye. 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 bye bye